from hidden local hotspots to outrageous wildlife rescues and trend-setting hotels. WestCoastTraveler.com shares the latest travel news from your local community and beyond. Travel the spectacular west coast of the U.S. and Canada without leaving your armchair and start taking notes for your next adventure. Make your next vacation or staycation the best it can be. Visit westcoasttraveler.com. Welcome to Measure Twice, Cut Once, the podcast from Haven, the Home Builders Association of Vancouver. From codes to kitchens, safety to sun decks, we'll take you behind the walls in all things home building design and renovation. And give you the ins and outs from the experts to help you build or renovate the right home for you. In plain language, focused on home building design and renovation. I'm Jennifer Lee Gunson. And I'm Mike Friedman. Now that you're here, why not hit subscribe and you'll never miss another episode. Hey, Mike. Hey, Jennifer Lee, how the heck are you? I'm fabulous. I'm happy to be back in the studio again. You know, my family background is in home building and renovations. I've also worked in broadcasting, so I get really excited about being here and meeting all these interesting builders and designers who are sharing amazing projects. I get to meld both of my worlds together, so I love it. I know. I'm absolutely soaking up the season's information. Help me decide whether to tear down and build new or to renovate. There are a lot of different paths and solutions to building the right home. So true. Today's guest is such an interesting whole home renovation project to share. We have Steve Kemp from Kemp Construction, and I was lucky to sit with this guy a few years ago at the Haven Awards, and he is fun. And Sarah Gallup, it's one big party at that table. Um, and he's in the studio today with his client and homeowner, who I haven't been able to party with yet, uh, Michael Elliott. Welcome, gentlemen. I can't wait to dive into this podcast of renovating a traditional prefab panaboat home using a state-of-the-art factory built panelized wall system i'm really excited about this week's episode as well uh it sounds like there's going to be some time travel involved in this prefab project i've seen pictures and the house looks amazing and up for some awards as well i hear yes but first it's always interesting to hear a bit about the people behind the project so steve why don't you share a little bit about yourself i love to know the journey how did you get into construction why did you get into construction my dad always says don't ever get into <laughs> construction so i always like to know other people's stories goes way back but when i was a kid uh, we had a forest nearby so was building rafts and tree forts and got hooked to that and then uh, out of uh, college I, I went out to a world of skiing and then using construction as uh, employment in the summer and got out of it for many decades actually went corporate when uh, the interest rates went up to 20 30 percent and uh, finally came back to it 20 years ago and glad I made the change. Yeah, and how did you end up getting yourself into dealing with panelized wall systems? Well, I was introduced to a very interesting project up in Whistler. I witnessed a house going up in two days, and it was a high-performance house, net zero, we call it. And the whole house came out of Quebec, because in Quebec, that's a standard way of building, as it is in Europe. But I really hadn't caught fire here in the West. So I, I met the, uh, the people that built it, that put it up. And uh, as a builder, I could see how effective it was. And I thought, well, that's something that we've got to do here in the lower mainland. So that's when I started the journey about two and a half years ago. And don't worry, we're going to explain to everyone what a panelized wall system is uh, once we get to know these guys a little bit better further into this episode. So. so Michael, in your case, it was designer Sarah Gallup, who we featured in season one, episode seven, talking about pre-construction planning, who recommended you to Kemp Construction. Michael, did you look 
look at other builders or did you simply work off of Sarah's advice? I mean, I worked off of Sarah's advice. Mr. Kemp sent over uh, the project manager, Mike Chase, really, really got along with him right off the bat and uh, just decided to run with them. It was a, a good fit. I've worked on some projects with Mike before and he is absolutely awesome. So Steve, what is your recommendation to people looking to renovate? How do they choose a builder if they're not working with a designer already who can recommend someone like you? Well, it's challenging for customers to find the right builder and there's no question that having the designer making recommendations, that's a, a big, big boost. You have to be looking for experience. You have to be looking for a fit. You know, you're gathering as much information as you possibly can. So their track record, their advertising, the recommendations, the referrals from people, that kind of thing. Yeah. And if you don't have a referral from somebody, you can always find a great person at haven.ca as well. You bet. Yeah. Good point. Okay, so we can kind of include everyone in on this conversation. Let's start at the beginning. What is the home that we're talking about? Why are you here today? And uh, tell us how you even started the process of renovating uh, your panaboat. We have this little log cabin, this little panaboat, uh, prefabbed house was built in the, the 80s. It's 1,200 square feet, and uh, me and the wife, we started having kids. So we uh, had to renovate. And uh, looking around the neighborhood, it was just a better idea for us to stay in our location do the renovation than it was to move sideways into uh, another place. And what is a panaboat? I, I know what one is. My mom talks about all the time. She used to live in one, but other people might be like, what are they talking about? It is a small prefab log cabin, very popular in, uh, in uh, cottage countries and places like that. Yeah, it's an engineered log, so the logs get processed in a factory, and panaboat would have standard designs. So if you're wanting a cottage for, that's economical, that, that's quite likely owner-built, it's a great way to go. And, you know, in Boundary Bay, it was a summer community primarily. So people weren't too interested in year-round insulation. But in fact, logs are a good insulator. So it's more the fact that you've got all these joints and, uh, you know, old windows that came with a package. This is what takes off the uh, levels out some of the performance aspect of it. It's so interesting to me because we always talk about high performance homes and eco-friendly homes. And, you know, we had a lot of these structures in place like panaboats that seem a little bit more eco-friendly to begin with mm -hmm. because you don't have all that like drywall <laughs> and other things that aren't really great for the earth. It's actually, it's getting new interest. So if you, you start talking to the, to the Passive House gurus, solid wood buildings is actually coming back into vogue because it's a replenishable resource. It's the, the, you know, the GWP, the earth warming gases, and all these things start to make a wood-built structures more, more attractive. But um, part of the issue is that it, the performance is in the windows, the doors, the insulation, the foundation, all of these other things. So you can actually take something like a panaboat and make it a higher-performing building by just making sure all these other parts of the house are, are done properly. They're quite interesting. I built one back in the 70s, in 76, in Jasper, and quite an interesting exercise. It was uh, pounding every log with a sledgehammer, and then you've got these big through bolts, and you got to screw them down, and you have to leave two inches above the doors and the window because of the settling factor. So it was a pretty unique process, but it went up quickly, and it was very affordable, so it was a good choice for the time. Steve, economics obviously play into when we're decision-making process, but beyond simply the cost of it, what are some of the key considerations and factors that we would look at if we're deciding to build a whole home, a new, tearing down our old home, or do we want to renovate our existing home? What are some of the things that you would look at and advise me of in regards to my home or Michael's home to help us make the right decision? 
Well, there's a number of things that come into play. One example would be where the existing house is in terms of its proximity to, let's say, a stream or other situations. Back in the 70s or 80s, then codes and the setback restrictions were different than they are now. So if you like where your house is situated on a lot, but you want new, then basically you're going to do a complete total reno. So where the house is situated now is is, is one of the factors. Total cost is another. Um, if you look at uh, doing a new and uh, remodeling, it is a, a lesser cost than going new, a brand new custom home. It takes less time generally to get it up and, and permitted. The other thing when you're doing that kind of work, especially with Michael's place, he had a, a big lot. So that really enabled a lot more creativity in terms of the final product. You really have to look at all aspects to see at the end of the day what's going to be your best bet so it's uh it's not just one thing in general but it's a quite a you know it's a, it's a number of things there are some people that want a new house period end of story they're going to go straight to that path regardless of what's on the lot right now when you have an existing structure like the panabode you want to add on to it like i've seen the photos and you got to check it out because it's gorgeous and it's really neat to see that you have this existing structure with this new structure combined to make one house i know things are different depending on what municipality you're in is it harder to like go to a city and be like hey we have this existing structure but we want to add on this amount of square footage there's a lot of different permits and things that you need like that or a lot of hoops to go through is it a really hard process it can be. Now, you're not going to get too many panda boats around town because it's mostly uh, something out in the country or suburbs. So, But uh, yeah, you, the first step is you go to City Hall and say, this is my house. Could you pull it up on your map? And then this is what we're interested in doing. Is it possible to do what we want on this lot? That's the first thing we tell somebody. They want to add X number of feet. Well, go to City Hall and let them know what you're intending on doing. And they'll say whether or not this lot can actually accommodate the size of building that you want. So that's number one. And then if they say, yeah, you can do that, then you can start getting down to the brass tacks on how to go about doing it. But if you're in a city lot, it's pretty restrictive and most of the homes are already built out to maximum width. So, you know, you can go back, you can go forward. It really depends on the house. But before you get too far into it, you want to make sure that the city is going to be on site and it fits the new regulations. We're actually up against that right now. We can only add up to 60% of our current square footage. So right. it's not like I'm going to get a 6,000 square foot house out of right. my existing house. So because of our lot size, we are a candidate to tear down and build. But you're dealing with a different lot size where you are, Michael, and it, it, a totally different municipality as well. So you do want to work with a builder who is licensed where you live always because they know their bylaws better than anybody else and they can pretty quickly tell you what you can and can't do and just how far you can go with the bill i mean mike and i were just talking uh, by the way i'm mike's neighbor oh nice (laughs) mike just lived down the street and um but there's another panda boat in our neighborhood that i just looked at a few weeks ago and it's basically they took a bungalow and they stuck a panda boat on top that's how it looks but there's no room to go left or right they can go a little bit behind so the floor plan can't change a whole bunch so it's got some natural restrictions to it where mike's place you could go left you could go right there was room to play with so you could really get off the original footprint so like we took the kitchen we moved it into the new area the living room was part of the old area part of the new area the bathroom upstairs i don't think there was a bathroom there before was there but it all worked with the plumbing so that's the other thing too is like you've got somebody like sarah gallup that really knows her way around this stuff so it was how do we take this and put it in a way that's actually buildable and doable 
So that really comes down to the skill of the designer. Like you said, you need a great designer, which it sounds like you did on this project. And that goes back to you, Mike. I was talking to you a little bit before and you said your wife had a lot of the design ideas and she was able to work with Sarah to achieve her goals. Can you tell us a little bit about that process? Yeah, like uh, Steve was saying, we went to the city first to find out where we were going to be able able to... uh, put an addition onto the house and uh, kind of mapped it out. And then we started looking at a lot of different photos online and a lot of different pictures. And uh, Vicky came up basically with that look of having that on the left-hand side there, the kind of the tower going up with the, the white batten and basically gave those ideas to Sarah and she brought it all together and made it happen. Did you and your wife have a similar design aesthetic and similar design ideas? Because that's something we talked to Sarah Gallup about in our last podcast is working with couples because sometimes you all have different ideas and trying to meld those into one to make both parties happy. Happy wife, happy life. <laughs> so you got no decision in the home design, basically. A <laughs> <laughs> little bit, a little bit, definitely. But uh, her ideas are just so good, and uh, she definitely had a flair for it. All the credit to uh, to her and to Sarah. Yeah, that raises a really interesting point. So we talked about going to City Hall in terms of what can you do out of this property, but you know, before we even get to the designer, we have a nice chat with the people that have called us in to have a talk about what they want to do. And, and I say, look, to save yourself some time and a lot of effort, make sure you're on the same page in terms of what you want to see at the end of the day. So I've told people, look, walk around the neighborhood and don't analyze the place. Just if you both like it, take a picture and then go to the designer and say, we both like it. And don't try to determine whether it's the balcony or the feet, you know, the wood trim or any of that sort of thing. And then keep going around and doing that. And uh, the designer will understand why you both like it because they'll be looking at it in a different way. So get on the same page. And, you know, we do go through some interesting experiences talking to couples. And it's interesting that in some cases, it's like they've never talked about this before. You know, one's very traditional and the other one's very modern. It's like they're both understanding that for the first time in the interview. I think a renovation is a metaphor for life. If there's balance and clear communication and everybody's on the same page, everything goes well. Steve, I want to talk a little about this house, and I'm just fascinated to learn some more details. So what we had is a combination of a panaboat home, which you talked about earlier, and panelized wall systems. So it's two prevailing sets of logic and design. Can you talk to us a little about these panelized wall systems? Because that is a really big emerging thing in construction and it's old and new meeting together. And I'd love to learn a little bit more about them and how they work versus conventional building. Well, the concept of panelizing has been actually, has been around for a long, long time. Quebec, for example, is well way ahead of the country because they unionized carpenters and builders looked for a better, more efficient way of doing things. If you're in Europe, let's say Switzerland, I just heard back from a builder, he was there, 90% of all your construction is panelized. So what that means is that you're taking any design. It's not limited to standard or basic designs. Take any design. And the new software that we have is quite interesting. So we take the architectural software, we take the structural, we put them together, and then we create a wall-by-wall detail of that house. Then you're building it in a factory, in a controlled conditions. The wood's coming into that factory all dried and wrapped, and then it's getting covered, and then it goes to the site all dried and covered. And then your roof is on in a matter of a week or less or a little bit more sometimes. So the house stays dry, and it's easier doing all the small details when it's in a factory. When you got a roof overhead, you're not battling the rain you got people that are trained to do the job. So controlling the quality. And the big thing for a client is you, the house is basically going up 
very, very quickly. So in Mike's case, we had two floors on one side and the second floor on the other side, it all went up in one day. That's over a thousand square feet. The other thing too, is that the emergence of the new step code or the higher energy standards are demanding more insulation and detailing in a wall. So that's a, another skill set that has to be learned, which can be difficult with people that are accustomed to doing it a certain way but it's standard process within a factory. Well, and it's more eco-friendly when I was reading up about panelized walls, and they actually said it's a 25% waste reduction when you're using panelized walls. Yeah, because you're, you're, you, you've got software that actually kicks out the size of material you need to build that wall. So it's very, very automated. And, you know, when you're in a factory, you can also control your offcuts, which is something that happens. And so what's that, an offcut? Okay, an offcut <laughs> is where you do have to cut this material to fit the wall. And so that gets cut and it goes in the bin, it goes straight to Ooh. the right place. When you're on a job site, those offcuts get mixed up with this, that, and the other thing. And so now you, you have a very mixed load of debris. So from the job site, the amount of material or waste factor is, is almost cut in half, certainly in the, in the framing stage. So yeah, there's all these other sort of under, you know, indirect benefits from, from working that way. Steve, speaking of cutting in half, you spoke about putting these panelized walls up in one to two days. Help people listening understand, if we were going with construction uh, methodology was a little bit more traditional, how long would it take to get to where you got to in two days? Well, in Mike's case, probably three weeks or so. Yeah. Um, if you're talking a new home, it could be the savings of one to month to three months. It really depends what you know what the weather conditions are, the experience of the crew, how many workers you have on the site. So it helps to give you a more exact information to work with because we can control the pricing better and we can control the time frame better. Well, I think the other thing is whether it's three weeks to put it to it together conventionally or three months that's three weeks or three months of that house collecting rain because it yeah. rains here and just not being locked up and not being ready to go so there are so many advantages over just time even yeah it, we are you are knocking down the total build time and uh, depending on the job you can save one month you can save three months so you know some of these new builds are going 12 14 18 months so you know saving a month or two or three means your financing costs are less if you're renting in the meantime, then of course your rental period is going to be less. Putting it in practical terms, if you're waiting a period of time for a permit and then you're waiting a period of time for construction, it could be between when you pull the trigger and you get to move in up to two years before you move into your new home. So yeah. anything that we can do to reduce that amount of time is significant because, hey, time is money. For sure. Yeah, you bet. It's like playing with Lego. <laughs> it was amazing watching the, the house actually come up in about an eight hour period i think it was 10 hours something like that yeah from the yeah. morning to the nighttime it was and there you can see you know what the finished house was actually going to really look like you know because again it's not just a skeleton it's the the siding and the in the outside insulation and everything too yeah as mike is saying that it's more than just the the wood the framing the sheathing there's the exterior insulation there's the ha uh the you know the house wrap the rain screen some of these things take a long time to get on the building if it's done on site so yeah the walls actually come that way so there's a lot of things we can do in the factory so while the basically while the foundation is getting built we're building the walls in a factory and so shortly after the foundation is ready the truck comes the crane comes and then the crew shows up and then away we go so there's a lot more front-end work that we work with the builder and work them through the process so but in terms of what the time frame is and the the tech, you know, technical aspects on the site, it's, it's all done. Architects and engineers, they like it too because um, when we're doing the, 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 the wall panel uh, design for factory building, 
we're uncovering things that might not show up until you're halfway through the framing, especially as the houses get a little bit more unique. Back in the day when everything was a bungalow, basically, then it was pretty straightforward. But now you see what's going on. It's just some incredible designs. And these are one-off designs in many cases. So there's things that are discovered that, hey, this might not work or that might not be in the right place. And next thing you know, you're calling the engineer, you're calling the architect and you're calling them that day and say, you got to get this fixed because I can't go any further than that. So these are issues that are resolved in the planning stage when you're doing a panel. I was just thinking about that. Actually, when you're talking, I was like, do you need an architect? Of course you do. But, you know, a lot of these prefab tomes from back then are little square boxes, like you said. So you don't have to compromise your design aesthetic is what you're saying then with this new type of system. Yeah, you don't have to dumb down the house to do panelizing. In fact, we can do, uh, we did one wall that's got 22 custom cuts to it. So no end to the amount of detail we can do. Whatever the structural requirement is, it gets built into the wall. We solve all those problems and, uh, and so on. So now, ironically, with the new passive house drive is that house the simplification now is is coming back in terms of a functional benefit so this is where as a builder we we play with all the other things that make a house more efficient to be able to keep you in a conventional in a nice house while at the same time getting the performance benefit a basic rectangular house is is a lot easier to, to heat and to maintain than it is than a complicated one with a lot of features to it. In terms of heating and cooling a house, is a flat slope roof versus a conventional roof, is there a difference between the two types of roofing? Well, there is. If you've got, let's say, a flat slope roof, you generally have a big bank of windows going from floor to ceiling, for example. So the roof in itself is not the challenge per se. It's the fact that that style of home generally comes with a big wall of window. And so that's where your challenge is. You're, you're having to build the rest of the house to compensate for all this glass. But again, if you, if you blow your numbers because of this big bank of window here, you can make up for it by going overboard in terms of your insulation in the foundation under your slab, the, the reduction of windows in other locations. So this is where we work with the, uh, what they call the compliance report. The builder's working with the energy advisor to come up with that right combination to give us that performance level. I'm so like amazed by all of this. So as I process all this information, Steve and Michael, thank you. That's so interesting to hear about this project, taking an older prefab home and extending it using state-of-the-art building science solutions. And I just want to take a deep dive into the project and whole home renovation in general and advantages of using panelized wall systems. But first, let's take a quick break to thank our podcast sponsor. So hang in and we'll be back in 30 seconds. Measure Twice Cut Once is grateful to the support from our podcast partners, BC Housing, BC Hydro, and Fortis BC. Their help helps us share expert knowledge and resources like you're hearing today from Steve and Michael to help build and design and renovate the right home for you. And speaking of resources, the BC Energy Step Code Program is provincial standard that is moving the entire home building industry forward to build homes to better energy efficiency standards, which means better comfort, health, and safety. Be sure to check out betterhomesbc.ca where you'll find a variety of rebates for construction materials, home energy evaluations, plus mortgage and tax refunds. I'm excited to hear about this one. There are also rebates and renovations too. Just click on the rebate search tool button on the homepage of betterhomesbc.ca to find cost-saving resources for your next project or talk with your licensed builder or professional contractor. They'll help guide you. Now, let's get back to Steve and Michael. 
Okay, in past episode with uh, Level 1 Construction, we talked to Alex about renovations, and he said if there are good bones, a renovation is possible. And they took a Vancouver special home and made it more special and amazing. Steve, looking at the Panabode home, what were your thoughts when Michael and Sarah approached you? Were you like, "Mm, that's exciting, or no, this is going to be hard? Yeah, a bit of both, you know, having built one and knowing how it's put together and clamping down the amount of settling and all of that. So it was very interesting. It was challenging. And I, it, it, a lot of things, you know, bore out in terms of the the, the uh, what actually came about. So, for example, the walls are not necessarily vertical. They were bulging out in places and stuff, but it's all manageable stuff. We can correct a lot of that stuff. So the good bones part is true in terms if the bones are great, it's an easier job of it. But if, it, if they're not great, you can actually get in there and start fixing up a lot of stuff. Um, the challenge with the Panda Boat and a new build is is tying them together. So we have to work with the engineer to say, okay, well, how are we going to, if we're taking this part of the wall out, then that's the structural part. How are we going to put back the structure or the strengths of the wall? So you have to work with the engineer. He's got to give you some direction. You make suggestions yourself. And then putting a, a new part of the building on that's, you know, plumb level square and all of that good stuff to a house that's settled for many, many years, that's where the, the, the you know, the challenge and the creative part really comes in. I'd like to talk to you a little bit about costs and economics because that factors massively into a decision from a homeowner's perspective. I know cost per square foot is not always easy to pin down and there's a lot of variables, but can you give me some examples of how you would estimate a job when you're walking into a project like this? Well, it's actually, that's one of the things we talk about in the initial conversation with a client is that um, if they're looking at a new house, for example, you could be anywhere in that 250, 275 to the low 300s per square foot. And it's a very general number, but and at the end of the day, it may not bear out to be exactly that, but it is helping to put people in the right frame of mind. If you're doing a straight renovation, taking the existing space, moving around, doing stuff, you're going to be in the lower twos. If you're doing a combination, like in Mike's well, situation, new and old together, then you're going to be in the mid twos, generally speaking. It's a very general number. Uh, are you putting in a $100 toilet? Are you putting in a $600 toilet? All of these little decisions are going to make a difference at the end of the day in terms of your total cost. But what it does do is it helps people get a true reality of where things could go and they need to be prepared for that. Can you just clarify one thing? You gave us general cost for renovations and for new. For renovations, that's not just the cost of the addition, right? You have to factor in the full square footage of the finished product just so people can budget accordingly, correct? Yeah, you take the full square footage because um, like Mike's case, for example, so you know, the Panda Boat was already there. The foundation was there, the walls were there, and the roof was there. So even though a space is not getting a lot of work done to it necessarily, it is still an averaging that you're talking about overall. And it's it's sometimes people think, okay, well, I don't touch that part. And we're not doing that, we're doing this. And so, you know, what happens is that all of a sudden that bedroom they didn't want to touch starts coming into play. They see everything else coming together nicely and, hey, wow, next thing you know. So I tell people, like, if, shut the door and keep it shut because what happens if you're putting nice baseboards over here and window trim over here and this has got the old stuff, you'll see that right away you're, you know, you don't have that congruence. So, hey, why don't we just do the baseboards and the trim? And, oh, well, I guess we're going to paint it now. And so that's always the issue. And so if, we're, if, if there's some real uh, budget challenges, then we are going to try to put the brakes on because we know with the client, because we know that there is that natural gravitational force that you're always working with. So if we see a very hard ceiling on the budget, then we have to be very careful about letting them get you know, carried away and keeping it in check. Budget is always tough to talk to with a client because a lot of things they can't 
physically see a lot of the time. So they're like, why am I paying for this? So with the panelized wall system, we already talked about the benefits of it and that it's more eco-friendly and that it's faster building process. But what is the cost? Is the cost still as high as compared to like building? Like I read an article, they call it stick building. I think of the three little pigs, stick building versus right. panelized walls. Yeah. What, what is the type of cost of that? Like, do you save because it's less labor of people, less people on the job site? It's about the same. So I don't think you would do panelizing because it's a huge cost saving. Not every company has the same uh, luck in terms of the, the framing cost, for example. So uh, one of the things that builders experience is that they're given a quote for doing the framing. And next thing you know, it's nowhere near that at the end of the day for this reason or that reason. So when you're doing panelizing, there is a set cost for the panels. And then we're at the point now where we're going to be giving a set time frame and a cost for the install. So there's price assurity for the builder because it's when you're the general contractor, you're representing the customer. And when you start getting these bills that are different than what the quote was, you're in a difficult spot. Mm -hmm. So there is the, the, the price assurance. Now, here's another issue is that the new walls we're doing are more involved. You've got insulation on them and these other things. So you're, when you have to compare this, uh, you know, apples to apples, but generally speaking, it's about the same in terms of the, you know, the, the hard cost. Would love to talk to you a little bit about energy benefits, because it's not just the cost of doing this type of project. It's some of the benefits that that level of investment will provide for you. Can you help us understand how energy efficiency works into the mix when you're using pre-built walls? What we're doing in terms of energy efficiency, generally speaking, is we're reducing the amount of heating and cooling costs. We're lowering the energy demand. And so by doing that, you're decreasing your heating cost. You're also now getting into a different category of mechanicals to, to provide that heat and cooling. Well, now the technologies are small, very compact, and it's changed the whole situation. We don't worry about heating a house anymore. You can almost heat the house off of just the people and light bulbs and so forth. We're now into a cooling challenge. So that's where this whole thing is changing. It's, it, it could be a whole show in itself, but this is the new frontier in terms of getting it right when we get into these higher efficiency. But generally speaking, reduce the amount of heating and cooling you need by good design and insulation. Keeping on with the design, uh, Michael, we talked about working with Sarah and how you were able to create a great home together with your wife. But what is the difference? Because obviously you were in a smaller home for a while and then now you've got this much larger home with all these different features. So can you tell us the difference between living in just your regular panabode to your super cool upgraded panabode? Don't see the kids as much. <laughs> they got each got their own room upstairs now and we have a nice uh, play area upstairs. And what does the playroom look like? Describe it, it to me. I want to know. The playroom upstairs is actually the original... So the original size of the second floor. So that would have been the master bedroom, the kids' bedroom, and the landing for the staircase. And that's just a big area for the kids to do their homework. Um, we have a TV up there and their PlayStation and pull-out sofa. And can you tell us a little bit of the comfort level that you have now from the existing panabode to your new home, new state-of-the-art home? The house, the home is a lot warmer. Okay. Oh <laughs> uh, the other house, they do, they are drafty, especially in the wind. Boundary Bay is quite windy. It's warmer, which is great. I'm always cold, so that's perfect. What are some other features, or maybe even Steve, what, what are some things that you put in to make uh, Michael's life more comfortable and his wife happy? Well, the open concept is great because you can, you know, be in the kitchen and you can watch the kids at the same time if they're downstairs. From an energy point of view, we re-insulated a lot of the original house. Uh, we sealed up a lot of cracks, that kind 
kind of thing. So, you know, drafts make a house more uncomfortable and more costly. So those are, that was a big part of it is keeping an eye on where we could, you know, make improvements in the existing structure. Stephen Michael, this episode has been very informative. Uh, learning about new ways to bring new life into an older home with advanced building science is truly amazing. I love when we have these kinds of conversations because there's so much to talk about. There is a lot of cost savings to be realized by renovating an older home versus tearing down a new home. There are building science solutions available and it's important to find the right local builder with experience and the knowledge to best bring your project to life. And have a great interior designer. Absolutely. Before we go, Steve and Michael, we'd like you to leave our listeners with one last piece of advice, whatever it is, so that everyone has something great to take away from our time together. If you like your where you're living, you like your house, try to find a way to do the renovation and uh, so you can stay with your community and stay with your friends. Try to get one person being the driver in terms of the aesthetic direction and also the day-to-day decision-making because both are have to be factored into the, to the work. And if people want to have your advice further and want to learn more about uh, renovating older homes, where can they contact you, Steve? Well, they can call Kemp Construction. They can go on the website and find contact information. So they can also, there's info at kempconstruction.ca. And then, you know, we'd come over and do a complimentary, see what their goals are, look at what they're starting with, see if there's a, you know, a clean, easy path to, to their objective. So that'd be a good start. I'm learning so much about planning for my home project, understanding the value to be found in our existing homes, and the possibilities through good design and an experienced, knowledgeable builder and designer. I'm thinking my home might be an award-winning project one day soon, too. With a good designer, proper planning, and a knowledgeable builder, I believe you can get there, Mike. Thanks for joining us today. We look forward to talking with you next week when we meet with Nick Bray, architecture who built a five-bedroom, five-bathroom passive house on a 25-foot-wide peat bog in Vancouver. This has been Measure Twice, Cut Once, the podcast from Hayden the Home Builders Association, Vancouver. Thanks for joining us today. For notes and links to everything mentioned on today's episode, go to haven.ca slash measure twice, cut once. Follow us and review us to help empower homeowners like yourself to make the right decision the first time. Until next time, this is Mike Friedman. I'm Jennifer Lee. Reminding you to measure twice and cut once. Get fast access to breaking news by signing up now to Black Press Media's free newsletters and stay informed with all the latest news delivered directly to your inbox. You'll have access on any device so you never have to miss out again on the information you need to know.